The dating app OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from food to the type of relationship they want to politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. Download the OkCupid app. It's free. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello there, Disaster Divas. It is a much-anticipated day here on the podcast. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola, with... Uh, It's me, Amanda Smith. And I can see Amanda practically already getting flustered (laughs) on the other side of the Zoom because we have a guest in the room with us. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself to to the Diva Nation? Yeah, I'm your dad. (laughs) surprise surprise it's me it's your weird internet dad uncle giving you advice lovingly um with just a slight hint of a mustache these days but yeah my name is Allie Ward and I am host of the podcast ologies in which I talk about a different ology and I claim to be your dad when people seem to go along with it so uh, (laughs) no people love to have internet people love to have internet moms and dads in addition to like the standard internet boyfriend and such so like you really are tapping into a fundamental need i think of of the internet community to be able to call someone like dad yeah yeah and as we've as we've learned from disaster movies if nothing else the world needs more good dads yeah. to counteract all of the toxic masculinity so we've got we've got good dad Ward. <laughs> yes i'm happy to be your lady dad fixing all of the dad issues out there <laughs> Now was that was that part of the mission statement when you set out to be uh, to be America's father, or did that just like come along the way where you realized that was commensurate with the kind of role you were doing on ologies? I mean, Jordan, it just felt right. You know, I was like, Fair. Fair. I'm definitely not. I don't feel like anyone's mom. I don't feel like anyone's aunt. I definitely feel like someone's weird uncle setting fire to something behind the house or like someone who You're- tells you just you know make sure you check the oil before you go on a road trip. I just mean yeah. well. I just love yeah. you, kiddos. You're the you're you're <laughs> deep frying the turkey in the backyard. One million percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you should you should uh, remind everybody. I mean, because presumably people listen to every episode, but should they have forgotten what you're here to discuss? What are we here to discuss today, Allie? Oh, we are here to discuss malatology on a grand disaster scale. We are talking about the 1978 film. The Swarm, starring Michael Caine. (laughs) Erwin Allen just can't make a movie under two and a half hours. Can't do it. No. (laughs) Not. Why show up? If it's not going to be, if you're not going to have to pee twice during it, why make it? Why bother? How else can he fit in all of the human interest, like the sort of just ancillary human interest that doesn't actually matter if you don't make it two and a half hours? I didn't realize what I did to us, by the way. When I picked this, I had no idea until it was time to sit down and watch it. And I was like, wait, how much longer? Like, I could not believe how many minutes I committed us to. You might have started asking yourself that before they were done walking through the facility at the very beginning of the movie in their slow 
journey through the ICBM site where the initial swarm attack had occurred. I like for I don't know if it was the same for you guys. I on my Amazon, it was a full minute of silent black until anything started happening. Yeah. And I was like, that's what we needed to add to two hours and 35 minutes of the swarm was a minute of just black in the runtime <laughs> at, at the very outset of this. Just to really re reset our minds before we get into the swarm. I mean, here's the deal. I like my disaster movies. I like them real time. And I like yeah. turtlenecks. And this did both. Now, check, is, check. What, yeah. it, what brought you to this choice? Man, I love bees. And I thought, you know, I don't... You and Michael Caine. I, I love bees. Me and Michael Caine. Me and, and Dr. I forget what his actual name was in the film. I feel like it was Dr. Caine. And that cannot be correct. Oh, Dr. It's, Krim. Dr. Krim. It honestly, we I don't think we've ever used every character's name in any movie. 90% of the time it is Dr. Michael Caine. Yeah, or, or Dr. Just, Lady Scientist, which we also have yeah. one of those in this movie. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah. Dr. Doctor, a lady in a lab coat, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> Love her. Long name. Long. I think it's Polish, but it's a, it's a beautiful name. Um, no, I thought I was looking up disaster movies because y'all asked me to be on the podcast. I yes. said honored. I Thank began you. sweating immediately at the thought of what to pick. <laughs> I almost picked um, San Andreas because it was the first time I ever took a gummy weed, rolled oh! up into that movie. And oh. I thought, this is a good idea. And then as soon as I we bought the tickets, I was like, what have I committed myself to? I don't even know what's going to happen to my brain on a gummy weed. And it was the best comedy I've ever seen in my life. I absolutely. Oh. We, I mean, if you haven't, like, yeah. I highly recommend if you, if for anybody listening and to you as well, if you haven't listened to our San Andreas episode, we have mm. a tremendous guest in Mika McKinnon, who is a was it geo? What, what, She's a geophysicist and geophysicist a science communicator, and She's science fantastic. communicator and like consultant at times for disaster fair. The depth of science that we get into for the San Andreas episode is pretty mm. special. But also, I can imagine watching it with The Rock while being very stoned, and you have the thing where he's weaving in and out in Amazing. a helicopter, and it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. I think there yeah. was a moment where there was like a romantic embrace, and I cut yeah. the silence in the movie theater with a cackle that I've never experienced <laughs> before or after. I mean, wow. I just, I walked out of there just horny for life. I was like, what happened to me? I ate so much popcorn, of not all of which was mine. After that movie, actually, my friend. Catherine and I made us start getting our individual popcorn tubs <laughs> to share with me. But um, I made the same mistake watching The Lobster, and I learned don't do that to yourself. Wow. But oh, I know, no. not but, a good. But movie. the lobster was not billed as like just a tangent. The lobster, you did not go into that expecting it to be that movie. It was not billed that way in right. any way. Because I went into it not high, but as someone who's like. Very much loves a fluffy rom-com. Oh, and I, you, wait, you thought it was going to be a fluffy rom-com? I thought it was going to be, no, I didn't think it was going to be a fluffy rom-com. I was going to say, I, it was gonna be I like, don't know what fucking trailer you watched. Uh, but I yeah. didn't think it was going to be fluffy, but I thought it was going to be sort of an indie rom-com. Uh, and instead I was like, oh, okay, no, that no, was, that's on you. We're that's real nihilist. No, every single, everyone, ev no, we can discuss this. We can argue about this later, but no, this is not on me. This no, is how it's it was 100% on you. There's nothing not <laughs> troubling about the trailers for The Lobster. <laughs> Jason, I, I didn't watch you know the, I didn't watch the is fist bumping, right? <laughs> That's because you and Jason agree on things just to make me feel bad. I have so to say, though, I love lobsters and I love bugs. So I am, if yeah. it's got an animal in the title, I usually okay. am like, let's yeah. fire this thing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So was that the deciding factor then for the swarm? Was that it's a yeah. swarm? 
Yeah, okay. I Googled, I checked out what you guys had already covered. And then mm-hmm. uh, I, I looked at a list of disaster movies and I was like, hmm, how about a vintage, Yeah, a nice, delicious, vintage mm-hmm. uh, yep. bug movie with undertones of colonialism and misogyny. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a quick summary for anybody listening. Uh, this movie, as we have noted, is two and a half hours. It could have been 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it is about uh, a, a merging swarms of African killer bees mm-hmm. uh, that have been uh, like dormantly amassing their forces for an indeterminate period of time. And when the movie begins, they have started branching out and they start taking over the landscape in Texas. Yep. And it is it is Dr. Michael Caine and Dr. Is that Henry Fonda? It is Henry Fonda. Dr. Yes. Henry Fonda, a, a classic 70s disaster movie staple, Henry Fonda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got Henry Fonda. The cast is is impeccable in that sense of like it's 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 Irwin Allen just yeah. shaking out all of the lost toys. You've got <laughs> Patty Duke is in it. Yep. Uh, Olivia de Havilland's in it for no good reason. Jesus, yeah. Uh, What's uh, what's his name? Uh, Slim Pickens is in it. Slim Pickens is there. Yeah, a cameo yeah. is in it. Yeah, it's like it's it's like he just showed up on set one day and they're like, yeah, we can write you a part. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> out of curiosity, did either of you guys watch this on the TCM broadcast or did you both do like an Amazon? I did an I, Amazon. I did an Amazon. Was okay, there so additional the content? TCM, there was there was a, they they did the little talk beforehand oh. and contextualized the film, which I love when they do that. I was like, this is so exciting to have someone handling this disaster movie with the scholarly like the scholarly tenor one would want. Yeah, from this. what was oh the God. setup for it? Break uh, it so first down. Of all, it was described as what is called a golden turkey. Okay, okay, a film that flopped. Yes. <sighs> Uh, but the most important thing is that they used millions of real bees. I mean, that's what I was like. Okay, these are real bees. These are all these yeah. are real bees. I love mm-hmm. the I love the part in the, the movie when it's just like yeah. you see a ho- like a hose you can't see, but is definitely there spraying <laughs> bees. Like the <laughs> yeah. speed the bees are exiting from wherever they're or they're entering the frame, they are definitely being propelled by air, shooting them out of something. Mm-hmm. So here's the part that's really horrifying, though. About eight hundred thousand of those bees, the stingers were removed. So that they could be safely on screen with the actors. No. How? <laughs> they I have so many they, questions they about who removed 800,000 rem- bees. Yeah, of almost a million bees? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, this budget, this budget was $21 million back in 1978, which, like, I feel like that was... million of that was bee stinger removal. Yeah, pretty much. I wonder if there is some sort of, because to me it feels like there must be some sort of, like, thing that people can do like some sort of pheromone <laughs> thing or some sort of chemical thing right. or whatever that they must have that like makes the bees either sting something and break off their stingers or that makes them you know like lose their stingers right. through some sort of weird bad process all i want to know is like of all those bees that they removed the stingers from how many died <laughs> like how right. how like, responsible is-, is this movie for like you know, a deterioration Especially when in the bee its population. message is don't wantonly kill the good bees. I know. <laughs> I know. I want it like a true, it might un, un, unequivocally, unequivocally, besides the giant bee hallucinations, my favorite parts of this movie are when, yes, they're like intense exchanges, but when Michael Caine's doctor scientist character starts escalating very loudly and rapidly at the general that he's talking to. And like, at, 
suddenly Michael Caine is the only one yelling and he's yelling (laughs) about bees. And it happens at two key points where you're like, they're obviously not getting along. And then he's suddenly just like, I'm going to tell you what the, and it's like, what the (laughs) fuck? Michael Caine's just screaming at this guy. Nobody else is in this scene. Michael Caine is yelling. The general isn't even yelling. And he's just like sternly putting down the law about what we will and will not do to our friends. As he says, the bees have always been our friends. The bees. I I noticed that as well, and I was like, oh, no, don't fight. I, I got so I got so tense. I mean, the funny thing is, is is uh, yeah, the, he was up against like the military industrial complex. Yes. But then at the very end, it's like, thanks so much to the military industrial complex <laughs> yeah. for helping us make this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a title. There's a closing like title card at the end that's like, we would like to thank the United States Department of Defense yeah. and like the U.S. Army. For making this movie possible. I was like, excuse me, what now? Like, <laughs> what the I mean, fuck? here's what we got. Okay, so we got we got a lot of bees. We got so many. flamethrowers. We've got mm-hmm. septonagerian, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, like, love triangles. We've yes. got a pregnant diner waitress. Yeah, we've yeah. got uh, Slim Pickens in a cameo clutching the corpse oh. of his son and weeping into a body bag. We've got stingers... Some there's some bee scientists wearing helmets, like motorcycle helmets. One thing that they did not have were grad students. I was like, why is Michael Caine throwing these poison pellets out of the side of a helicopter? Wouldn't they just make a grad student go do that or like (laughs) get all that venom? I feel like he's doing too many jobs. It was my issue. Yeah, a real like a real point of like, you know, reality index, like a meta reality indexing about this is the sort of like 70s disaster landscape very very much Irwin Allen like this contain this movie contains a all of the extra exposition and character development to get you to care about old people who are going to die it it, it contains as much of that as any 1970s disaster movie friends an entire town is introduced in this movie only to see them all die. All of them. Only to see an them. entire, we meet a whole town. A train and spend, full of people die in this film, pretty much off camera. It, yep. it is, it is like, we are, you're like, you're like you said, the septuagenarian love triangle. There's like the school principal lady who is a hot commodity in this town. The mayor likes her. That like the, you know, cowboy looking guy likes her. She's dealing yep. with dual marriage proposals. And they're like, they're sweet on her. She wants to protect the kids at the school. You know, it's gone bad enough for Marysville, Texas. Well, they're going to evacuate everyone. But then you're like, and if you've watched any of these movies from the 70s, you're like, you know what? There's no way these people can escape. The only reason these people are in this tube of death is because they need to die. Because we know every time we learned a new thing about the town, every time we learned a new nice thing about someone or saw an act of human kindness, I was more and more sure all of them were going to die. All, and every single one of them. Let's did. roll them down the hill. And <laughs> here's what happens. They put them all in a train. They're like, bees are coming. Everyone get on this train. We promise things are going to be chill after this. Everyone's like, all right, I brought one suitcase. I'm trusting you. And then... Uh, there's a bee in the cabin of the conductor um, who one of my favorite parts is when the conductor realizes there's a bee in the cabin. Maybe it's attracted to its apple and his apple he's eating. So he spits the apple all over himself. Uh, but anyway, but they, the, they derail and it just tumbles down the hill. And just in case 
your yeah. your tiny baby human brain was like, mm-hmm. but you could survive. <laughs> yeah. then all of the train cars explode. Not yeah. one train car. Every, every train every car. single train car. Every train car. And, and it's as crazy it happens at the midpoint of the film, yes. and you're like, we still. How have we only gotten Olivia to have? Like, you didn't bring in Olivia to Havland just to kill her off screen in a train <laughs> crash, right? Like, she is queen of the screen. She was. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And in the TCM thing where they're talking beforehand, he's like, the bees wreak such havoc as to cause helicopter ex- helicopter crashes, mm-hmm. train explosions, and even a nuclear detonation. It's like, actually, of all of the disaster movies that we've watched, people freaking out about bees and accidentally <laughs> fucking something up. Yeah. That's probably more likely that they would, like, I fully believed in terms of why this train crashed. Yeah. No questions in my mind. Yeah. The, yeah, the conductor's panicking in the engine room and yeah. fl- freaking out and flipping switches and knocking the, like, locking it into going too fast. That's, that. It, all of this was bees causing human error. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. bees turning the switches. It wasn't like, <laughs> yeah. like bees, I think, take down the helicopter because I guess they just overwhelm the engine with bees. And so the helicopters go down. But like, yeah, no, may, humans fucked up that nuclear reactor. Humans fucked up that train. Oh, and also, friends, while it is rolling down the hill, not only are we left to just like assume everyone inside of it is dying, we see people sort of one by one a couple times get tossed out windows. So oh. we just see old folks get thrown out windows to a train tumbling down a mountainside and it's just like i'm glad we spent an hour and a half with these people you know really it's they sunk their hooks in my heart i was so invested (laughs) Mm -hmm. i was like which suitor will she pick and then it's like (laughs) it's a mass grave on a hillside well moving on (laughs) but i think one of my favorite moments and i don't know if it's possible to even do a drop of this it comes in at around 31 minutes and 30 seconds um little paul who uh his parents yeah little paul his parents have been killed by bees he (laughs) recklessly drives their mustang windshield wipers (laughs) Just clearing hundreds of thousands of bees off of the windshield. Uh huh. Rumbles into town, but he has a hallucination about the big bee, which usually means yeah. like the big D is coming for him. Like, dude's <laughs> not, death is on his doorstep. Yeah. But, um, and he just says that there's a bee, it's hovering above him, it's the size of a car in the air. And he just says, there was a bee, help. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like the tiniest voice, but I was like, that was one of the more realistic lines. (laughs) There was a bee. Tiny traumatized child hallucinating gigantic, like wolf sized bee. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. that, Like, this movie just kept adding, this movie keeps compounding the things that are happening so much throughout. Mm -hmm. Like, you obviously have the bees, and then you have the bees causing the disasters. And then it's like, oh, well, guess what? The, The bee poison makes you hallucinate. A single giant bee. Yeah. And that's yeah. scary. And then also a thing about the bee poison is that if you you can start to get better, but then you will likely relapse into an even worse bee-related coma and then die. And it just every time it, it the, truly it is with 13 minutes left that they realize how to defeat the bees after two hours and 20 minutes of just you're like fuck, they're really never going to do it. Like, this just, nope. end, like, if I kind of would have preferred the ending where it would have, it would have felt really kind of real, actually, if they were like, what are we supposed to do about bees? There's yeah. too many. They're too mm-hmm. diffuse. There's too many. They're indestructible. They've adapted around any of the poisons we've tried. I was like, oh, fuck, I hope this ends with, like, 
be apocalypse. Yeah. That's kind of rad. But it unfortunately does not. In the last 13 minutes, they decide that they're not going to do that. Did you guys have any favorite moments in the film or any anything that got your goat? Was there anything that got your goat the most, maybe? Maybe we should start with that. When were you the most uh, infuriated? (laughs) I do want to say that the bee venom making them specifically hallucinate giant bees Mm -hmm. led me into, like, an abstract, like, staring into space evolutionary question about, Mm -hmm. like, how does that happen? How does a bunch of bees evolve to specifically create a venom that then is engineered to make humans specifically hallucinate themselves? Like, that's an insane that would be like if you got bitten by a rattlesnake and all of a sudden you hallucinated only rattlesnakes that doesn't happen (laughs) that's not how that works but i was just like it was i was this they were so the level of scheming and i loved how i did actually enjoy how much they seemed to everyone seemed to be like well the bees are really smart and i'm like did the bees genetically engineer themselves (laughs) there i mean they're like i i well and then you have the the general who kind of keeps contradicting himself who at first is like bees aren't that smart yeah and then when like michael kane's laying out an attack plan he's like he lays out this even more elaborate plan. And he's yeah. like, what are you, are you imparting human intelligence to the bees? He's like, I never underestimate my enemy. It's like, uh, yes, no. you fucking do. Yes, you, you started did. this movie mm-hmm. being like, bees are dumb. And now you're like, <laughs> never underestimate bees. It's like, fuck you, acting like you've been here the whole time, General. Uh, I, my, I was my actually, goat was, oh no, continue, Your goat please. was got. I understand. My goat was got. My goat was got when uh, the doc, when we, the septuagenarian love triangle wasn't enough. When the doctor is delivering the oh, baby of God. the one that, pregnant woman. That's what woman. mine was going to be. That I was what mine mean, was going to be. Like, could, like, couldn't be more fucking tacked <laughs> on of just, like, Tomas the doctor being, mm-hmm. like, clearly, like, having eyes for this woman. And he's like, so you leave it on the train? And she's like, well, yeah, there's nothing to stay for. And he's like, really? Nothing? And it's like, Tomas, not now. And then later her she's husband, there. Her boyfriend just, just, died just died by bee death, by just the way. Just died. And then she goes into emergency labor, right, like, I think right when she's about to get on the train. So she goes back to the mini hospital in this little town. And she's, like, under anesthesia. She mm. tells him... <clears throat> She tells him, like, oh, I guess it's, you know, true what they say about, like, you know, pregnant women falling in love with their doctors. It's like, is that what people say? Does anyone ever said that before? <laughs> yeah, what literally old ever. adage is that based on? Like, and you just clearly- watched me actually, like, <clears throat> you just watched me shit on the operating table. No, there's no <laughs> love here. And she's pumped full, presumably, of some sort of, like, anesthesia. She's yeah. high. And she's, you know, talking about, oh, I love my doctor. And he looks at her. He's like, I hope you feel that way later. And it's like, now, Tomas? Right now? Right. What the fuck is going on? He, like, we had so much subplot in Marysville already. And then another, I do have to say another moment another I was pretty incredulous about was, like, Dr. Lady Scientist and Dr. Michael Caine start bonding with one another. Mm-hmm. And, like, they go... There's there's like this moment where the town is like it's empty. It's bad scene. Like people kids have died, the bees have attacked. I think everybody's been evacuated, therefore killed at this point. And then it shows them they're like essentially I think are like on a date in the town that night. She's in a pretty green dress, he's in mm-hmm. like a blazer, and they walk up to the local cafe and look inside like dejected that no one's there to like serve them. And it was like who the fuck did you think was at work right now? 
Who? Nothing in this town is open. And you, you straight up walked to the cafe thinking there would be anything there for you? You were inside when a man threw himself through the window covered in bees and you had to hide in the fridge. Who the shit was going to be there later? Listen, Jordan, can a horny entomologist get a tuna melt before he finger bangs his colleague? Can he do it? Can he do it? Not in Marysville. Nope. Not in Marysville, this was Texas. Fine. fine. They have the fl- I love also that they're having a flower festival. And it's like, you <laughs> yes. see it and you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, of course. <laughs> but I don't know if any of you noticed. They walk by. Uh, they walk by. They both look like they smell good. So, yeah, they're definitely yeah. on a date. But they walk past the, the town's little theater. And what was playing? <laughs> a towering inferno. No. Oh, yes, stop. on the marquee. Just a little. Absolutely. That's the only film allowed to play in that town. Yeah. Now, wait, Henry Fonda was also in Towering Inferno, right? Um, no, we're th- you're thinking of City on City Fire. City on Fire. I, I also had that, I I also City had that moment. City on Fire. Because I also had that brief moment where I was like, wait, was he? No. No, he was not. <laughs> we were really uh, missing Leslie Nielsen in this movie. Oh, we were would have been super so cool. missing Leslie Nielsen in Leslie this Nielsen, movie. Leslie Nielsen as the town mayor would have been significantly better. <laughs> yeah. Refusing so to evacuate the town or something. Yeah. Did you? Okay, so I spent Chauvinist a lot of the Leslie first... Leslie Nielsen of the 1970s. Yeah. I spent a lot of the beginning of this movie because they... The military guys are extremely suspect of Dr. Scientist Michael yeah. Caine. Um, to the point where, like, one of them is just assigned to shadow him yeah. to make sure he's not getting up to no good. Put, and a, put, put together a dossier. Start building that dossier on him. Did anyone else really have some, like, question why everyone thought that he was the bee king? Because <laughs> they really seemed to think that he controlled the bees. And I know that they believed a lot. Like, they never were like, oh, we think he's a Russian spy. They were just right. like... He seems in with the bees. <laughs> Did that that was to me a real moment where I was like, "What? Where? Why are what? we so disbelieving about the bee? Like, why?" And also, what? when they they play the audio recording and they're listening, they're like, "What's that sound? It sounds like buzzing." And no one on the audio recording was like, "Oh my god, there's bees!" No, which is the nobody, reason nobody they are listening nobody back to it. the tape from like the security room to see yeah. if they can like trace back the events from the initial bee attack, like if they can learn anything from that from the moment of the siege. And everyone's just like, "Oh god, oh god!" I would be screaming, "Bees!" I would yeah. be screaming, "What are these bees?" Yeah, what oh the shit are these bees. bees doing here? Yeah, like, why are there bees in my nose? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Why is the bee making me die right now? Yeah. All of us. Yeah, it would. It would be the. It would be everybody doing the Nick Cage. Oh god, not the bees. The bees won't. All yes. of us would be doing that one gif. Yeah, every exactly. single one of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah. nobody ex- nobody expects the bees. Nobody does. Nobody thinks. What could the buzz be? I will say, <laughs> can I say that my uh, mm-hmm. my legs were on fire, uh, <laughs> as my dad says when he gets really mad. Or fry, really fried my legs. We always thought that yeah. fried my legs was like a, a term that a lot of people used. And it turns out, I think it's just my dad. But That's, <laughs> that's a first for me. That's a first for me ever hearing that. Well, mm-hmm. this fried my legs is there's... Uh, and there is at one point someone says, your American honeybee has a weak mouth. And I was like, okay, number one, hold the fucking phone. Because these are Apis mellifera, a subspecies, and they are not native to America. They okay. are the European honeybee. So don't okay. tell a Brit that are American bees because they have only been here for 150 years, first off. <laughs> and also, do they have weak mouths? Because last I heard, they were building whole nests and colonies. When was the last time you built your house with your mouth? 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you go build yeah. a house with your mouth and you vomit up your lunch yeah. and feed the babies like the bees do. <laughs> and also, these are all lady bees. So what right. are they, you know what I mean? Give them, give them a little bit of credit. But I was actually really yeah. surprised that there wasn't at least one misogynist uh, dig at like, well, what do you expect? Maybe they're, maybe one of their drones left them at the altar or some sort of... <laughs> I would have figured I would have figured that they would have all just assumed it because like up until I think up until pretty recently I always thought that all the other bees flying around were men and then you just had lady bee like the queen is the lady bee Mm -hmm. in the hive but it's not that way no and so no I also they probably thought that too contest the notion that bees have weak mouths I was at a, a bridal shower for my sister two years ago and there was a plate of chicken kebabs out delicious chicken kebabs and oh my god i have never seen uh i have never seen a, a bee siege the likes of that onto human food and i know like they're drawn to food like of course but like it became a locus for all bees within I don't know how many miles. We had to like move the table fully away. It was like, well, there's nothing we can really do here. We didn't really, we didn't, nobody wanted to get in there to pick up the pl- the platter because it was mm-hmm. too close to too many bees. When we, by the time we got to the chicken kebabs at the end of the party, they had eaten a substantial fucking amount of the chicken on those kebabs and they have tiny bee mouths yep. and the amount of bites taken that you like th- literal physical I've never seen bee bites on food the amount you could see was shocking I was like I didn't know bees were capable of that so weak mouths for their size I think not I Beg think to differ. not Wait, That's were they a wasps? relative statement are you sure they weren't wasps no, they were bees really? they were definite I, I, I it was I've never seen anything <gasps> like it, it they was, weren't yellow jackets I mean, could have been yellow jackets. Okay, here's my jacket. here's okay. what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Ooh, okay. maybe yellow jackets because okay. I used yeah. to be a caterer on film sets. That was like my first job when I moved to LA, and I learned you learn a lot of hacks when you have to cater for like 200 people on right. a budget. Mm-hmm. One of the hacks I learned was if you are making a giant Gatorade for extras, and it's one of those big like drums. Um, you just stick your whole arm in it to mix it. And I learned this from uh, someone who trained me and I thought I will never do that. I will never put my naked arm up to the (laughs) armpit and Uh stir some country time sugar in there. These are human beings. They're Uh human beings. Bring a stick. But I also learned that if you've got yellow jackets at your table throw a couple pieces of bologna on the lawn and they're like, they get hoodwinked. They're like, woo, and they're off on your bologna. I have found, because I, I love going to Malibu Seafood out on PCH, <laughs> and I get a quarter pound of crab and a, or a quarter pound of shrimp, and mm-hmm. they bug you. They want it. I What I found worked as an effective deterrent, if I set my shrimp tails off to one side of the table, they would focus on those and leave me alone. I could even oh my like God. guide them with my hand. They were like flying around my food. I was like guiding them with my hand and they would find the shrimp tail and they would settle on it and then they would leave the rest of the food alone. Do you guys realize that what you both have just described is basically the ancient system of giving the gods offerings? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, our they they are our bee overlords in the world. You guys, so this you, makes sense. Yeah, you guys just you guys just reinvented the Greeks leaving <laughs> offerings for, for the bee gods. Congratulations! I can see how people so were pretty dedicated to that system. Yeah. Like I can see they'd be like, well, leave food out. And yeah. we won't be killed by things. Yes, it works. Create decoy food, and then the other, if we have decoy food, then the half man, half bull won't come eat us instead. It'll work. <laughs> yeah. 
He'll be fooled by the decoy food because he's a sentient, all-knowing being who can be fooled by decoy food. I mean, I the the yellow jackets of Malibu are the are the bull, the half man, half bulls, the centaurs, minotaurs of the PCH. So I will say, set your shrimp tails out, everybody. In terms of, I, I, luckily, we don't do not have to give a human sacrifice <laughs> to yellow jackets. But in terms of the human sacrifice, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. Peter Fonda. How oh my were God. you feeling? Peter Fonda what? gives... Here's what I will say about this movie. This movie got mm-hmm. 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, that tracks. Did not do well. It was a wow. 20 million, $21 million budget. It did not make its money back despite the mm-hmm. director having made like a couple hit disaster films before this. So it was like a mm-hmm. huge flop. Um, yeah. But despite that... Uh, Catherine Ross was nominated, I think, for an Oscar. For Dr. doing Lady, what? Dr. This was the worst performance I have ever seen. It from uh, was what a, what a shallow yes. field that must have been that year. Because wow. was she was she up against a literal post? <laughs> well, wait, okay, I need to fact check that. Maybe she. Okay, hold on. But to Maybe. your point, the Henry Fonda, the Henry yes. Fonda human sacrifice scene, I think, is the most compelling cinema. In this yeah. entire two and a half hours. It's that and Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens made me have oh, feelings. I was not man. expecting to have feelings when Slim Pickens clutched his dead child to his chest. In in the cried. body bag. In yeah. the in like the stare down between all of them when he's like, You're either letting me out of here or you're gonna shoot me. And honestly, I'd prefer you shoot me. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh I know. Yeah. Oh my but god. But those those were the two moments of actual emotion in this movie. And that, which is surprising given this is a movie with a lot of kids dying. Oh like a, a very high ratio of child death in this film. It's like, true. And, 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 and as, child actors presumably having to lie there while, you know, stingerless bees crawl over them. Bees. <laughs> the slow motion bee deaths in this movie are outstanding. The slow motion flailing covered in bees i gotta say i guess realistic because i don't know what the fuck i would do if i was covered in bees yeah i don't know what i would do yeah like, it's a good that's a good call i will say uh fact check one oscar nomination it was for costume design and i uh, will say Catherine ross's pantsuit at the end <laughs> there was a monochromatic uh wide leg rust colored coral pant with a matching <laughs> uh, blouse with a pussy bow yeah looking good and michael Caine's turtleneck <laughs> doing good work there but uh, they, you know Catherine Ross was sharp but yeah they both yeah. look sharp but she was nominated for something else I think but <laughs> okay yeah but they do I will <laughs> just say that the actors some of the actors were really committed Peter Fonda yes committed and I was he like he was fun he had a good. great wryness about him yeah he was mm-hmm. the he was the best to me he was the best part of the movie even like somebody who read the script and was like I'm gonna fuck around with this a little bit. Like, yeah. let's have some fun. Like, I love the unveil of him being in the the way they the way they uh, unveil his disability when like he's placed in the wheelchair. He shows up on the plane, and Michael Caine just lifts him out and then sets him. And watching everybody around them just kind of like freeze. Mm-hmm. And then like the wonderful. I loved my favorite character relationship in the movie is definitely the bond between uh, Michael Caine mm-hmm. and Doctor yes. Krim. They, they, you really, when he's, when he's sacrificing himself for the sake of the antidote and he is like, I mean, that scene is really strong. He's like, all right, I'm going to record everything. I'm probably going to die. I'm going to inject myself with six times the amount of venom that could kill me just to make sure we're doing this thoroughly enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to like set the syringe of antivenom here. 
I'm going to, I'm going to time it toward a minute because I'm, he walks through, like people will probably have it in a purse or in a bag. They're going to have to fumble through to find it. They pull it out. There's hesitation. They're afraid of needles. He's like allowing for all of the human error things that an untrained person would do when faced with a syringe and they're about like, they're afraid they're going to die. And that like watching the vital signs like plummet and then skyrocket. That was excellent. I mean, that's, and that's just the power of, that's just the power of Fonda right there. Yeah. I hated that scene. Broke yeah. my heart. I hated yeah. it. Yeah. I was like, don't do it. And I will, I did a little digging. Turns out that this movie predated the EpiPen by six years. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. So Henry Fonda invented the EpiPen. Uh, that's how that goes. Yeah. That yeah. is, that is news. Yeah, I that know. That is yeah. news. <laughs> when um that death scene I had so many feelings. I was yelling at my laptop being like, don't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. The whole town's dead anyway, probably. They're dead anyway, man. <laughs> or do it with supervision. Just like a little bit of supervision. Just a tiny, just a scotch of supervision, please. I just know. one person there in case of emergency. I know. Well, and it's just, it's one more way. Like, again, the movie, like, people start getting better than they relapse and they die. Like, mm-hmm. the people from the town, they get away on the train. Well, then they die in the train. Yes. He finds the vaccine and then it actually doesn't work, and so it's useless, and he died for no reason. They make the poison pellets to drop on the bees. Oh, actually, those don't work. Every, like they, they, they are thwarted so many times. They mm-hmm. certainly fill their two and a half hours with failures. It, it, oh, they, yeah. they really are exhausting possibilities throughout. And I love that what they land on. I love that the solution is burning the bees. Burn those bees. Burn, <laughs> burn. The like because the, the little boy Paul, little Paul who dies, of course, um, little Paul, he he's gonna get vengeance. So he has recovered from his stings, and he and it, and I believed this. I totally believed yeah. that he and his rapscallion little friends in Marysville would be like, we're yeah. gonna go kill all of those bees, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna make homemade Molotov cocktails because we're fully nine. believe that children in the 70s knew yes. how to make those though let's definitely be and I did love their plan in their like their like safety drill for their plan they go to the hive where they find that it is they just throw fucking Molotov cocktails at the bees they're like we're gonna burn all the bees mm-hmm. and when they're running away they like have already factored in that they can't outrun them so they have brought galvanized trash cans that they all hide themselves under I was like honestly that was pretty quick thinking yeah <laughs> that was pretty that was some ingenuity right there the bees leave them surprisingly quickly it was like mm, I think if the bees stuck around they could have just like sweated it out with these kids inside these <laughs> inside these trash cans but so like he activates the bees and that's pretty much what sends them as he tells Michael Kane later like this is my fault and it's like well it is he is like initiated the greater bee attack across Texas and like the final showdown of this movie is the bees versus Houston (laughs) and (laughs) Houston is losing and I love like there were just like thinking about the time frame when I'm watching it whenever the general interjects and he's like we're gonna poison the bees we're gonna pour poison on the bees and Michael Caine's like if you poison those bees and you kill all the insects you're gonna kill the good bees they're gonna kill the crops and you can't do that so he's trying to stop that plan but in my head I couldn't stop obsessing about like fuck and this is poison in the 70s this is gonna like irradiate the earth that it touches this is gonna be so bad if they drop the poison that they're talking about no regulations here no bumpers this is just like pouring nuclear waste onto the earth is what the plan is to kill these bees 
the the levels of like just straight up like Agent Orange uh, <laughs> yes. DDT. Oh yeah, yeah. Peregrine Falcons would be boned forever with the <laughs> yeah. amounts of DDT that they would be pouring on them. The but, amount of I mean, it would be like a it would be like an exclusion zone post nuclear reactor situation. Like no children or animals allowed in this area for generations after. Because the risk of birth defect would be so high from the terrifying, like, military-grade raid that they would be dousing the landscape with. That he basically wants to cover Houston in at a certain point. I thought it was interesting, though, that there was, like, a a Texas power grid sort of <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah. It's true. In this. Yeah. There, uh, they, they go to a te- the Texas, like, energy commission... Yep. They're like, yo, we gotta we gotta fiddle with some things. We got these bees coming in and Texas <laughs> is like, nah. <laughs> nope. We and, will not be regulated. And then we live our own real life disaster movies here in the present. That is that does how do you guys feel about disaster movies when you watch them and you're like, all oh, you got some bees? That's not a big deal. <laughs> That's well, this, this like one of the a... nicer, quainter things a lot of the time is when we're like, we just watched, uh, last week was this movie Weather Wars, which yep. was a um, made-for-TV film about a man <laughs> yeah. who can control the weather and uses it for vengeance. Yep. And it was like, yeah, you know what? This is, there's something really nice about watching like some, um, you know, megalomaniacal <laughs> Stacey Keach yeah. using, targeting, using targeted lightning to kill people, but yeah. it can be solved. And it's it's nice. It's mm-hmm. it's heartwarming sometimes. I mean, in this this movie really, uh, I think, <clears throat> I, I, you know, we I feel like we've returned many times to the idea of it's fascinating watching these things now. In some cases, movies that we've watched before in our lives, where things really would have seemed not possible that it turns out are super possible. And I don't mean in the context of disaster. I mean, like, the human reaction. Yeah. And, like, like with a government that doesn't do anything for the past four years, like, in the face of cascading disasters, it's, like, mm-hmm. watching the inaction of, like, mm-hmm. something around, like, the Deep Impact era and be like, oh, nobody would let that specifically happen. They absolutely would. They yeah. absolutely would. And we have seen it. And it turns out these movies that may have been criticized for their lack of believability or maybe like their ham-fistedness and their plots. Like, actually, guys, these even even the most sci-fi channel of sci-fi channel disaster movies isn't too far off the mark for how these things kind of come apart at the seams when the system is meant to react to something in, to, to react to a calamity. Mm-hmm. Like, if, would this happen? If, if the bees happened in Texas right now, nothing could fucking stop them. Nothing. Nothing no. would stop them. None. The local government, everybody who's rich on oil would just cash out and fucking run, a la Ted Cruz. Yep. And like, and like anybody else who could afford to flee would, and then everybody else would just get eaten by bees. Like, that's it. That, that would happen. And I just don't doubt it at all. Like, no, they would be like, as, as Rick Perry said, Texans would rather, like, go hungry and freeze than have government regulation. And it was like, I don't think you're hungry right now, Rick Perry. I don't think you get to say that. So, Well, you know, I, I was looking into this. And this, again, this film, 1978, people were very afraid of, um, of some bees in South America mm-hmm. at the time. But the first honeybees <clears throat> that were, quote, Africanized hybrids mm-hmm. weren't discovered in the U.S. until 1985, and oh. it was in an oil field in the valley here in L.A. And oh. um, they think that some a, col- a hive of them, a colony of them, rather, um, was in an oil pipe 
And because of our avarice wow. and our mm. thirst for crude, <laughs> yep. uh, that yep. is what introduced them into the United States. And they wow. spread since there. But this was in the pre, uh-oh, what are we going to do about these scary, scary-ass bees situation? Mm-hmm. So pre-EpiPen, pre-hybridized mm-hmm. yeah. uh, bees. So mm-hmm. it it really was playing on what is on the horizon that could come and get us. Yeah. Well, now, it, I gotta like, ask because you. I was just gonna say, and just the fact that two thirds through the move through the movie, they just start saying the Africans. Well, that was a whole other whole other <laughs> they ball just, of beeswax right there. Yeah, they just start when they decided to make the text the subtext the text, Africans and you're watching like. like Oh, yeah. Mm. I feel like we could have just said the bees. We're, we don't know which bee. We don't not know which bees we're talking about. But yeah. you're really going to go with, well, we have to get rid of the Africans. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, fuck. Tomorrow there will be no more a- Africans, at least not in the Houston sector, was a choice. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. I, gotta, <laughs> yes. I mean, I got to point out bees is fewer syllables. You know, <laughs> there were so many easier ways to even just saying killer bees, just to remind yeah. us of where the threat lies. It could they yeah. could have shaved a half an hour off of the running time if they <laughs> yeah. just said bees instead of Africanized bees. Yeah. But then they wouldn't have had that lovely little just you know oil slick of of racism on top of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as a as a an ology as a a I'd like to think that you're at this point like an ologist of ologies. I think so. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I think and so. so what we don't often talk about the realism of like was this realistic to how it be how this threat would happen but like right. what do you have to say about the bees what are your thoughts on the bees how do they act what do you think oh uh, i mean number one um i loved that they said it was like a mating signal that was yes. drawing them in because mm-hmm. i was like number one like drones are the ones that would respond to a mating signal and there's mm-hmm. not that many drones in each colony most colonies are are sterile females mm, and then right. uh and then uh, some queens and then they kind of changed it to them all being in attendance at the ceremony of, of a new queen taking over and i will say that when a new queen takes over it is brutal. It's the really? bitchiest thing you've ever heard. Yeah. So wow. what, yeah, what they do is they they get some regular old bees. They put them in special chambers uh, when they're ready for a new queen. When they're like our old queen, she's looking a little tattered. She's old. We're over her. Uh, they they feed. They rather they deprive these tiny baby bees of protein, and they're fed royal jelly instead of bee bread. So they don't have as much protein. They're given royal jelly. They develop into queens that way, right? And then what happens is you've got, like, in the dugout, you've got, like, four or five, at least, new queens that are ready to emerge. What happens is the first one that emerges is like, huh, looks like I'm in the first one out. And then she goes to the cells of the other four and goes, knock, knock, are you awake? What's up, girl? Hey, you coming out? And then that one's like, oh, what's up? Hey, what's, oh my God, we're queens. And then she eats her. And then she goes to the next one. And the first one's out, just just knock, knock, rise and shine, baby. And then <laughs> what's up, sister? And then kills her sisters. She's the queen. The old queen's like, wow, looks like I'm out. Uh, this bitch wow. is going to take over. Old queen is like, who's with me? We're out. And then the old queen, half of the colony's like, yeah, we don't like this new lady, goes with the old one. Really? Then that's when they actually swarm. So when there's a swarm of bees, it's usually when they have uh, had a colony in spring, typically, I believe, uh, branch off into two, 
They mm-hmm. swarm. They usually will gather on a branch or a big ball of bees with the queen in the right. middle. While scout bees are like, I found a good place for us. There's this dead tree. It looks dope as hell. It's like near some cool cafes uh-huh. and stuff. Um, they <laughs> go and have it. a lot of stuff. So much stuff. Like, love it. They're putting in like uh, an American apparel soon. So <laughs> property value is going up, whatever. That is not even a relevant joke because they are out of business. But um, it is an Echo Park <laughs> joke only. But um, <laughs> either way, so uh, so that's so how the it swarm is the bees. The swarm is a swarm is likely bees branching off. Yeah. From yeah. one hive and going to start a new hive. Yeah. Or so like the, maintain yeah. the old hive with the old queen. Yeah. And so the idea that they would hear or rather feel these like vibratory thrumming that would tell them that a new queen is about to emerge, that yeah. wouldn't happen in a swarm. That would be happening in the actual colony. Um, it's a colony. <sighs> when it's in nature, it's a hive. When it is in uh, in a box that we've put together for them. But um, right. So yeah. So it would not happen this way. <clears throat> Definitely would not be motivated by horniness. Right. Because there'd be like the tiniest, if there'd be like a drone squad of like, you know, a couple dozen male bees whose only purpose is to fuck off and die. They have sex in the air. They have a nuptial flight where they just like 10 of them go up to the queen in flight. They're like, you want to do it? You want to do it? Their whole genitals explode off of their body (coughs) when they come and then they die. And she's like, later days, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's your daddy. That's the daddy. So, yeah. So, so looking at this being like a siren, come on. Bees do so much cooler stuff than that. The ultimate, yeah. the ultimate solution that they find is Michael Caine hacks that they've been following this signal that they might consider to be like a mating call. Yeah. Or and, and so he's like, but what if we drew them then with that signal to a different location and like all the other pesticides haven't worked? Like, and then we can just set them on fire. So they take them to the like they lure them to the Gulf of Mexico with a bunch of military ships that they have blasting like the mating frequency. And they say like they announce over the radio like, all right, cover the Gulf of Mexico in oil. In oil. Like, yeah. They just spray the gulf in oil mm-hmm. to draw the bees in and then they ignite the surface of the gulf and swallow up the bees in flame mm-hmm. but that only comes after at the houston hq that they have set up where dr lady scientist is answering another bee venom hallucination <laughs> she <laughs> is having a panic attack during which she opens a door in this building and there's a giant bee on the other side who I guess couldn't get in until she opened the door. That Bees happens. don't have thumbs. I believe that. Right. Well, and, the, and like vampires must be invited, I suppose. <laughs> and so they just have like their interim solution when they just can't figure out what the fuck to do is they're just like you just see like a dozen guys out on the street just flamethrowing wildly into the air as there is like clearly a hose off screen pumping bees into the frame they're definitely just setting bees on fire at that point and then the bees invade the building where the headquarters are and so everybody gives their lives in pursuit of dr michael kane and dr lady scientist getting out of the building to set the final plan in motion but we get a couple more great slow motion falling uh, covered in bee deaths, one of which a guy is covered in bees. And because he is even in remote proximity to a window, I was like, oh, he's definitely going out that window. And absolutely, he's going out that window covered in bees. You know what he was, Jordan? He was (laughs) bee-fenestrated. Oh. Oh. 
All right, I'm done. He was indeed. So he good. was indeed. And then they, uh, I, I like that it ends on the open, I like that it concludes on the open-ended note of like, well, they're gone for now, but like, they're gonna, like, because a lot of times these, like the, was it the Day of the Animals? Was that the name of the Leslie Nielsen yes. one? Yes, that Day of the Animals was when they, when it was the UV rays made all the animals go crazy and they were sure, and they were like, it might happen again, we can't yeah. be sure. But it was like, like the solution just like happened, like it just yeah. happened. And it was like, oh, never mind how bad we are about climate change and the ozone layer. Like this will just go away after 24 hours if it happens again. <laughs> this one, at least like the threat did feel still ominous of like, fuck, well, they did kill all those bees, but there's no way they got all the bees. And they had to do a lot to get the bees in the end. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like we panicked until the sun came up the next day and then all <laughs> the bees fell out of the sky and the ground was covered in billions of bees. I mean, just I will I will say I had I only had one criticism of this whole movie and <laughs> I just wish that there were more <clears throat> flamethrowers. Agreed. Yeah. Fair. Agreed. Not that many. There were maybe a dozen, two dozen flamethrowers, and I feel like there was definitely room for more. A I enjoyed how 70s... often they flamethrowered inside of the building. Loved Once it. the bees were inside the building, and they're like, well, problem solved. We'll just flamethrower while we're in here with the bees. And people are still trying to do their jobs inside of the control room while a man is walking through with a flamethrower going, and people are just screaming on fire. I loved the absolute chaos of that. Like, just the chaos energy was really pure, pure to me. One of the best things about 70s disaster movies is it was a while ago, and rules were le- soft. Yeah. So the amount of real fire you get in 1970s disaster, Mm. you have your stars very much in proximity to fire. You have people exposed to open and persistently burning flames Mm. in disaster Mm -hmm. movies of the 1970s in a way that I just really miss. We really don't see like the the stuntman covered in like the jelly running, you know, flailing covered in fire as much as we used to. And that's a shame. And this like, I sent you that Michael Bay video the other day. I think that should be your fill right there. (laughs) I mean, that that looked like none of those people look prepared enough to be on the set of a Michael Bay movie. What the fuck were they all doing standing so close to every it was about to explode <laughs> but just like i you know there regardless of even a bad 70s disaster movie you still feel a palpable feeling of danger for the people making it that you just oh, yeah. can't replace with cgi yeah i think most of it in those days pyrotechnics were mostly just squirt guns full of king's kingsford lighter fluid like the <laughs> you know what i mean like i think it yeah. was just one guy who probably didn't have a lot to live for, who was like, I'm just going to squirt this big old bottle of lighter fluid. If I go, I go. You know? I mean, the, I, I, highly, I do highly recommend City on Fire. The, yeah. the whole last act of that movie is just people running through a corridor of flames. There is so much fucking fire in that movie. It yeah. is unbelievable that they got that done. That even in the 70s, they were like, yeah, this is okay. They went like, to Canada well, because they went to Canada for that. We talked about that. They went to Canada to, to burn like over a million barrels of oil. They, it was it was some insane number of oil that they had to burn in order Un- to create entire city blocks that were just on fire for long periods of time. Long and then periods just of time. Putting Whole putting shooting stunt days. doubles into thirty seconds of running while on fire. It was. <laughs> 
Un- unjustly killing Shelly Winters yet again. <laughs> it's really, City on Fire is a good argument for OSHA. Um, yes. But guys, does that does that bring us to kind of the end of our reality index? We've tackled how bees actually mate. We've talked about yeah. the, the trauma of watching Henry Fonda die on screen. Mm-hmm. Are we there? I think it does, because really, there's about 30 minutes of substance in this movie. And mm-hmm. I think we've definitely covered that, like, 30 minutes of substance. I, I do want to note one more uh sort of forecasting that this movie oh, please did, do and i don't mm. know if you caught it or not in a mm. oh my god this mirrors our own hell world but um how essentially twitter was just on big tvs in the lab did you notice that like <laughs> yes they, yeah. they just yes. had these big huge tube tvs mm-hmm. that would just have a scrolling feed yeah. of like uh, looks like all these goddamn bees are maybe <laughs> three days away from Houston. And so they, and they would just constantly be checking the screen that would update them with horrible news. And I was yeah, like, God, yeah, that's... Whole yeah. city dead. Yeah. 6,000 yeah. gone. They, yeah. When the, yeah, when the nuclear power plant went off, there were 36,000 and they listened to, like, to the exact number dead. It was a true... Yeah. You're right. That was yeah. the doom scroll. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> if only scroll? like one of those big ass knobs could like RT or fave it, you know? <laughs> Just, you know, punch that like button yeah. for the amount of days, the like, amount of days it takes till the bees get to Houston. Yeah, subscribe. Uh, but that, <laughs> that felt very prescient, I will say. But yeah, yeah, there was that. And then also, I don't know if y'all caught, but in a movie that's all about safety, let's save these kids, watch yes. out for mm-hmm. these bees, nobody wore seatbelts. No. <laughs> they were just dangling. They were just flaccidly dangling. And I was like... Come on, guys. You're a doctor. Come on. I truly love, because, like, the kid comes screaming through the town in the parents' Mustang after they die. And then, like, by no indication are Michael Caine and Lady Scientist driving very fast down the, like, freeway that they're on. But as soon as they get into the town, he, <laughs> too, is, like, he guns flooring it. that van through mm-hmm. the middle of town. Blaring, yeah. on, leaning like, on the horn, gunning like, it through town. What the fuck is going on? It was was almost just like only people like if you enter this town, you must be triple the legal speed limit. Absolutely. Yeah. They've (laughs) they've been through. They just wanted to have a a flower festival. You know, can they they just admire a daffodil? But yeah, they're just dangling. (laughs) And I feel like in that era uh, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that it must have just been not cool to wear a seatbelt. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I think it we was the bicycle all- helmet of, it was the automotive bicycle helmet of the of the 70s. Oh, completely, yeah. I mean, even growing up, like, I was 85, and even growing up into, like, into the 90s, it was not unusual to sit in the front seat with the seat belt, like, the, the cross body bar belt t- behind me because it was uncomfortable. Because oh, I didn't, I, our car didn't I have a fucking short. cross body belt See? in the middle and the front. It was lap belt only. When seat I got belts. in a car accident when I was six, <sighs> I was sitting right in the middle of that little Ford pickup truck. Oh. My head went, my hat, my whole top half went straight forward right into that stick shift right in the center of my uh, forehead because there's no fucking like shoulder harness that yeah. was lap belt only and you know for for the friends on the pod you can still see the lack of lines across the center oh of my, my forehead. god really because the stick shift forced any like fatty uh tissue out of the middle of my forehead into the sides of it and it never oh my came god. back that is some amazing botox jordan look at I you seriously mean, 
It's forever. It's forever just a, a little flat circle in the middle of my forehead from I, when I was six. That's amazing. That really saved you so many injections. <laughs> You're so lucky. You're so, I'm so lucky in LA for that for the childhood head trauma. You are so lucky. <laughs> It's like part of the Amy Schumer. I'm so bad sketch. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, that not a concern of that era. No, no, they not were, at all. Seat belts were a suggestion and sort yes. of, you know, a commie ideal. Let's they were be for real squares, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so does that then bring us to what was this movie really about? I think it does. Mm, yes. Um, do you, have you have you put thought into this, Allie? Or Jordan, do you want to? Yes. We need to, we need to throw it a break before we go into it. Oh yeah, I would love we will, that. Yes. Thank you. Yes, it will. It will be. What was this movie really about? After a break from our sponsors, folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones. Everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and they ship with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot com. Let's watch more movies. And of course, as a special discount code for all our listeners, you can use Disaster Diva at checkout to get a discount on your purchase, like I did when I bought my Paul Feig film t-shirt and mm-hmm. my Let Diego Luna lick Jabba, the, lick Jabba. Touch Jabba. Do you let Diego touch Jabba? Touch Jabba. I'm sorry. But yes, it just they both just arrived in the mail today. I am so excited. Well, and I believe it is, I think it's the whole month. I be, It was supposed to be Fraser February for Brendan Fraser, but the storm uh, in Texas changed things. I believe it is Brendan Fraser uh, throughout March. The celebration continues. So if you're a fan, particularly of the 90s output of Brendan Fraser, there I know there's some uh, Encino Man stuff happening yep. there. There's some Monkey Bone stuff happening. So Fraser stands unite. They they don't have any shirts that have his hair on, that has haircut on it, but you can feel <laughs> the haircut whenever you look at the designs. I'm just waiting for the mummy merch. That's oh, what I'm waiting. Give me on. a mummy drop because you know it's coming. Yeah, how special at Super Yaki the mummy. Cannot wait for it. So yeah, get yourself some Super Yaki merch and use that discount code Disaster Diva. Getting into the what, the substance of this movie, the the grand existential debate. Allie, is this something that you've thought about ahead of time? Do you feel like you have something? Do you want us to like set you, like, do you want us to set you up by going first? How are you feeling about what was this really about? Racism. <laughs> yeah. Racism. Yep. Yep. Just straight up. Yeah. Just straight up racism. Um, I mean, the moment they said Af- Africanized, I was like, oh, Jesus. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. I feel like um, <clears throat> I feel like species invading our borders uh, yep. very much just xenophobia. So, yeah, and killing killing everything at all costs. Um, yeah. So racism in the military industrial complex. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ta-da. I think, yeah, I think those absolutely, I think that's, <laughs> that's right there on its face. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's right there on offer for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I am going to go with, um, my, the sort of like, it's, it, this movie is about like a perfect demonstration of all the ways in which we've like fucked ourselves into a corner with climate change. Where like, you watch, like, we were making things in the set like you know there, there were climate movements before now and like uh, you know the day of the animals the question of the ozone we have been making movies for so fucking long mm-hmm. about how we are destroying shit with our own choices and our own craven ambition and we have just been circle jerking that conversation at like a high level determinative like executive branches of decision makers and, and people in government for so long mm. it's just it's it, it's a real monument to the inertia of of the u.s government when it comes to doing anything that involves looking more than like 30 seconds into the future because <laughs> like it's not like these projections for how us fucking with the natural order haven't been around for a very long time we're just like we're i don't even know if we're, it's not five minutes to midnight we're like at 30 seconds to midnight currently or we are squarely at the strike of it and like we're now moving past midnight just a real like a real annoying reminder of like wow we've been having this same fight and having these same like finger wagging like learn your lesson things waving in front of us for so long and we still haven't done a goddamn thing like Honestly, it's gonna, it still feels like it takes a rogue scientist like so many of these disaster movies have to, to do any, to fix anything adequately because the systems themselves are not going to react no matter how much a few, you know, smart people say Green New Deal. It's gonna take like one genius man for everybody to start listening to who can secure them profits in a reasonable distance from the time we have to make um, changes to, to how we do things to actually fix anything because... We might as well still just be pouring Agent Orange on the problem. <laughs> Set it Amanda. on fire. <laughs> yeah, light it on fire. You know what we, flamethrowers, that's the answer. Yep, yep, yep. Amanda, what do you think? Uh, I think that this movie is about how we are willing to destroy everything over learning, everything. How, to, over learning how to coexist with anything we might consider a threat, even if we're wrong about if it's a threat. Literally anything. Like, we will burn the entire city to the ground before deciding to fig- before figuring out if the if the bees are maybe just being drawn to a one sound that we can stop <laughs> yeah. because again this whole problem starts because of an alarm that they're running on this on at this one like ICBM location so uh-huh. it's solvable and instead of like no 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 but what if we take flamethrowers to literally every single building yes. In order to keep that, what if we pour, what if we, what if we pour oil all over the, Af- the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, and then light the Gulf of Mexico on fire. That will solve our problem. Versus being like, well, what if we just figure out what's going on and if they're actually a threat? Likewise, Let's drive the Africans out of Houston and light the Gulf of Mexico on fire. Uh, exactly. So, likewise, that's what the, this movie literally does. The it American says it does the American the American very white instinct to just because <laughs> yes. this is this is a white people thing mm. to just fully destroy everything, take mm. our ball and go the fuck home instead of being <laughs> willing to just do the bare minimum to learn how to coexist and like find out if maybe there's a possible way that this is a good thing. Nope. We're going to burn it all to the ground. So that's what this movie is about to me, is about just how much like white supremacy will just take their ball and go the fuck home and burn everything <laughs> yeah. to the ground mm-hmm. instead of just learning how to coexist with other people. 
Yep. I think we're all right about this, and it's yeah. all a very rosy picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I skipped out of this just being like, wow, what a day. What a beautiful day in America. <laughs> it was a yeah. morning in America kind uh, of moment. Yeah, and I think it's also good to see the American work ethic that, mm-hmm. like, I would rather just kill myself with a needle in my lab. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, die, mm-hmm. die for the work. Um, yeah, bomb things die for the work <laughs> yeah 100 yeah 100 it's also a little it was also a little bit spooky to um yeah <laughs> to see all the body bags and see the body counts and i'm Ooh, compared yeah. to what we're dealing with like literally in the u.s right now it's like god they don't nobody that doesn't nobody yeah. bats an eye at that which is horrifying um but i did that does bring me to one of my favorite lines where um Peter Fonda's character was looking at his own vital signs and it, they were fluctuating and he was like mm, a little spooky and I just like yeah. the idea that like his own impending ghost was a yeah. little spooky because it is a little yeah 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 I hope he haunts the hell out of things because I just I wanted him to come back as a ghost so bad I missed him as soon as he died yeah, I did too yeah, yeah. Like he was, little he bow was tie. the real hero yeah I loved his little bow tie Loved it. <laughs> didn't didn't that's that alone is why this movie won a costuming award because you mm. need to put Peter Fonda in a bow tie, but this is a movie that needed to have Peter Fonda in a bow tie. Yeah, I hope that somewhere uh, in the social media for this, you do a screen cap of um, Catherine Ross's coral burnt umber uh, silky pants suit type oh, of situation sure. ensemble. It was a blouse and high waisted pants, and she <laughs> very much did not have a booty that in today's day would be celebrated but it was of the 70s <laughs> she definitely had like a little bit of a of a disco coke booty but <laughs> i was like that's fashion and i liked it yeah well there was also a moment where like two scientists arrive via helicopter and they meet michael k meet up with michael Caine, and then they all walk inside to the lab together and i was like jesus there was a lot of beige in the 70s mm, so, so much. much fucking brown so just much every just... everyone's either in a uniform that's blue or they're wearing brown uh, pardon me. It's called camel or sandstone, please. <laughs> You're right. Particularly, Michael Bay was in camels. Uh, Michael yeah. Michael Bay. Michael Caine was in yeah, camels. A lot Same. of camel. <laughs> you camel, know, he was yeah. famously confused two people: Michael Bay and Michael Caine. <laughs> that's now, now that's a disaster movie. <laughs> we could all cash checks to. And I will say <laughs> that um, that Michael Caine's impetus for doing this film was he called it a paycheck movie, and he used the money to buy his mom a house. He was like, "Yeah, I was in this him. Oh, oh, I love that. I think I was in a dumb B movie. Nobody saw. It was like a B movie. It was definitely a B movie in every way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Somebody yeah. somebody responded to me about it on Twitter, and they were like. This movie was really bad and it like did poorly. It did so badly when it was released that it kind of like crept away and everyone forgot about it. And then in all caps, they were like, but they shouldn't because it's still really bad. Like this person wanted to make sure like, you know what, guys, we're talking about bad movies. Let's fucking talk about the swarm. Don't let that movie get away with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so don't let it are. fall through the, cla- the cracks. Yeah, don't flamethrower <laughs> it into oblivion. Let's talk about it. But yeah, it, it was. Uh, but uh, uh, as someone who does like bugs and science yeah. and entomology, they mentioned mm-hmm. immunology. They mentioned entomology. They mentioned archaeology. A lot of ologies mm-hmm. in this. I was uh, uh, yeah thrilled for that. And um, the moment where they're starting to do venom experiments and they're like, let's see what these bees got. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like. This is my shit. This is extremely my really shit. Cool. I'm watching some lab work with some live bees. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 
and th- that was where I that's where the movie hit the sweet spot. Yeah. No, I liked watching, I watching them watching actively people, science. That was really fun. Yeah. I love watching people science. scoop up handfuls of bees. Yeah. And just so put many them on bees things. in this movie. So <laughs> many handfuls of bees. Yeah. I watching this movie, all I could think of was how I think there was a comic, I don't remember who it was, who was like, dogs and horses don't know that they're actors in movies. Mm. <laughs> and I also was Too thinking, true. I was like, these bees have no idea. There's a million nope. bees in this film mm-hmm. who have no idea they're in a movie. They think that they're just in life. <laughs> and they're like so excited because they're big Michael Caine fans. They have no idea what's happening <laughs> to them. <laughs> Now, does that bring us then to the dream casting portion? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you have picks, Amanda? Yeah, I'm making this a 2000s made-for-TV movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who does, who's who's coming in? Casper Van Dien. Oh, good. Always a winner. He's going to fight. Always a winner. He's fought bugs before. We've yep. seen it. He's tried. He's true. Right. We know he can do it. We mm-hmm. know he can wield a flamethrower if he needs to. The only good bug is a dead bug. So we got him, but so this is going to be the ironic turn is that he's now going to be an entomologist. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so we've got him as the Michael Caine character, Ming-Na, um, again, Ming-Na Wen as our uh, lady scientist. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like their I like their potential chemistry together. I like their chemistry together. I want her to be a little more combative, a little less won over. <laughs> yeah. Um, as oh, opposed yeah. to Catherine Ross, who was just like so grateful to see him. From the very get go, I want I want some chemistry there, and I want some 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 tension. And um, the Henry Fonda character will be Victor Garber because we as we've seen mm-hmm. from Ice Quake, he's so good at that. He's so good at being the best part, yeah. of a made for TV disaster movie. He mm-hmm. would also wear he would also wear a bow tie. Um, mm-hmm. And as we've mm-hmm. seen from from Ice Quake, he will do these films. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like that that's was my, true. Because I was trying to think of like who could I cast in this that would have that kind of like gravitas, and there aren't a lot of those options in the movies we've watched. It's true. But Victor Garber will do it. Mm-hmm. He'll give him give him a bow tie, give him a Santa mug, and he's happy. <laughs> mm. He'll do that. He'll make that paycheck. Yeah. How about oh. you, Allie? Oh man, I I can't I can't imagine and leaving it intact is an option. Yeah, You're yeah. Totally free to just leave it as is. I. There are too many options. I'm going to leave it as is, and it's mostly because of the pantsuit. Uh, yeah. I think, <laughs> and the co- the Oscar nomination worthy costuming. I just I can't mm-hmm. picture anyone wearing all of that all of that uh, creamy <laughs> cappuccino palette the way that they did. So yeah, I'm going to leave it intact. Uh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let it let it stay in its flamey grave. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna recast for the era. I'm going to have the like the sought after uh, septuagenarian principle. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have it be Shelley Winters. Oh. I'm gonna have it be Shelley Winters. Perfect. And she's gonna live. The only people from Marysville mm. who are gonna live are mm-hmm. Shelley Winters and the two men pursuing her, yeah. so she can live out her life and not be killed in another disaster movie. I'm gonna keep Michael Caine where he is, and I'm gonna keep Fonda because he was just so good. But I'm gonna make the general, I'm going to make him Walter Matthau. Ooh. Oh, okay. With that, like, asshole fail-safe mm-hmm. energy of his, mm-hmm. I'm going to make him just, like, that stern, doubting, real bastard. Um, and I, I, I want to see him and Michael Caine toe-to-toe in yeah. that context. And, yeah, I think that's going to be, those are going to be my, my main changes. Mm, those are good Love ones. It. Those never gonna ones. argue with him with Walter Matthau being thrown into something. No, I'm, never, I'm right there. No, never. Fail and just he he's so he's one of he's like one of my favorite all time baddies in Failsafe. Yeah. 
And because he's not even the government guy. He's the fucking like consulting scientist who thinks he's king shit. The beginning of like the toxic nerd assholes. Um, but yeah, that's that. I'm leaving it mostly together. But there, Michael Caine yelling, bursting into fits of yelling about bees was is mm. too good for me to let go. <laughs> Can I suggest one one other one cat maybe one different casting i would yeah instead yeah. of uh the pregnant patty duke i believe oh yeah what if what if we got gave it a little edge what if that were shelly duvall <laughs> oh, oh yeah you know what I, I mean i would love to see that i would love to see that and just like but with like the character built out so she yeah. gets more time to be awesome shelly duvall yeah just like okay. like pregnant she's got a lot of hormones going on she's dilated <laughs> to 10 centimeters and her and her doctor wants to put it in her before the baby can even get out. And she's just like, I got to catch this train, but I'm widowed. You know, just a li- like I want to see her sneaking yeah. a cigarette behind the diner yeah. while she knows mm-hmm. she's pregnant because what is life? And she's got to yeah. deal with these goddamn bees. So I think, I think, and now that I'm like thinking of snakes on a plane, I'm like, how great would it be if the general were Samuel L. Jackson? Can you imagine? <laughs> like if he took his snakes on a plane energy into yes. let's bomb these bees. I can see that. I, I mean, in, in the if you made a modern day like bees on a plane, basically, mm-hmm. does SLJ become the Michael Caine though? Does he become, is he the general or is he the hero who knows or is he an entomologist? No, I, Samuel think, he's, L. Jackson? I think he's, I think that the entomologists don't know how to get rid of the bees. And yeah. he becomes, right. and he's the only one who knows how to stop the bees. Yeah. So the military becomes the heroes yeah. on that one. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. Well, we would like to thank the Department of Defense for their participation <laughs> in this. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for all the war crafts. Yeah. <laughs> for the I'm missiles. I'm surprised at the end of Michael Bay movies that that doesn't come up as well because he gets a lot of state participation mm. for the kind for the movies that he makes. Like that's he's a great relationship with the United States. Uh, like military industrial complex. And I think that the true heroes of this film too were all the fake computers. There's a lot of fake computer machinery. If you like blinking lights, oh, you're going (laughs) to love this movie. (laughs) There is, my favorite thing about 70s technology as like rendered in films is constantly spinning. Mm. Is the constantly spinning like um, tape reels? Yes, love like, it. Like that—that tells you you are in a place of high technology mm-hmm. if there are constantly spinning tape reels in the background behind you. Lights oh, yeah. blinking at random—you don't know what mm-hmm. it is. There's no discernible pattern. Yeah, <laughs> it's just technology, guys. That's it's what just te- technology, man. That's what technology you know used to look like. It's crazy though because in 1978 that was like the Minority Report hologram, you know, like that was like the oh shit, can you imagine if we had that? Like that was some that was some real real tech back then. So yeah, it was (laughs) a beautiful beautiful vintage film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know why it didn't, if you will, take flight, but it really (laughs) wow. Just there should have been more buzz about it. Hive mind said it wasn't good. <laughs> I I would love to see someone make the ninety minute cut of this movie. Oof. I think it might actually do gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. I I I still wouldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then that being said, how many yeah. towering infernos out of five are you yep. giving this movie? Oh my god! I mean, uh, mm, <laughs> you can uh, give them partial. Inf- you can give it partial yeah. infernos if you want to do a yeah. two and a half inferno. You you can. We've done quarters. We've done only the first couple of mm. floors of the building are on fire sort of situations. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to give it. 375 Infernos. Okay. Ooh. Uh, I'm giving half of those to the bees and the other half to that coral pantsuit. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and a little maybe uh, a little bit to Peter Fonda as well. What about you guys? I I'm gonna I'm it's two and a half. Okay. And it's 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 that is a it's reaching past to on the credit of the bees. <laughs> on the credit of the, they are lifting this to an extra half mark. We've seen how epics can go. Mm. Uh, this did not hit those 70s. This this is no Poseidon adventure. This is no towering <laughs> inferno. Um, so I've just I've got to give it a two and a half, and that's I that's me trying to be generous. <laughs> I I'm gonna go three and a half on this one. I gotta wow, Jordan. They removed the stingers from eight hundred thousand bees. Yeah, I mean I cannot let for the crew, obviously, but like <laughs> I cannot let the death of approximately two million bees be in vain. It's that it's, yeah, <laughs> so many bees. That's a good point. So, so many, many bees, bees died making this film. Yeah, um, because we will kill everything. We will to kill get everything. What we want, as you stated plainly. I kind of, I got, like the density of disaster on this yeah. was a lot higher than I would have expected if you had said to me it's a movie about killer bees. I would have been like, nah. I mean, okay. density is a tough word when things are so diffuse over two and a half hours, but it mm. certainly introduces but a lot of disasters. Quite a few disasters, you know. Yeah. I, yes. yes. When you have there bees were multiple causing a nuclear when you have bees causing a nuclear meltdown, I, I have a hard <laughs> yeah. time letting it fall below three towering infernos. It gave me it gave me a lot as as long as the film was, it gave me quite a bit, and I do appreciate that. So I, I gotta go through. I and love that Weather Wars did what it did for me, and then here I am on yeah. the swarm by like you know kind of an all star situation. And I'm like, no way, man. Weather Wars kicked this movie's ass. Uh, you know, and I, it's about Stacey Keach throwing weather at people. Yeah. And it's also it's also about, though, not just Stacey Keach, but it's also about two brothers mm-hmm. trying to decide if their father can be saved. It's a real it's a real <laughs> Greek Greek drama sort of situation. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Brother, 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 brother tension is a favorite subplot of disaster <laughs> movies for me, for sure. Well, Reminder, everybody watch whoa. Hurricane Heist. <laughs> Well, Allie, thank you so much for coming. Thank oh, you like, very much. Thank we you. so appreciate your time. Of course, of course. It was a great way to get bees right in my eyes. I <laughs> it was the movie I didn't know I didn't need to see. Yeah. <laughs> so, Allie, do you have anything you want to promote? Do you do anything? Right. Do you talk about stuff? Do you mm. have a wildly popular podcast that people should right. listen to because it's fantastic? Oh, gosh. What can I throw to? Um, <laughs> I I host Ologies. Go listen to Ologies. If you really want to learn about bees, we do a lot of hot bee gossip in the Melatology oh. episode. So we talk all okay. about mating habits. We talk all about beekeeping. <clears throat> we talk about invasive species. We, we actually do. You will learn a lot about bee butts in that. So Melatology. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool. but if you you go to my website alleyward.com, you can click on ologies by topic, and it's arranged into like bugs, um, weather, technology, the human brain. So whatever you're into, space, um, and just go listen and, and fall in love with some ologists. So yeah, that's that's the main thing I would plug. That's my that's has my whole heart. <laughs> thank you for right. thank you for promoting the ologies for the sciences <laughs> i do my best uh, the one i'm working on right now is about cicadas there's a really big Ooh. brood coming out this yes! year big oh deal. Yeah. and so yeah um the cicadas this year are gonna be a little bit like the swarm so get <laughs> ready for okay. bugs so the, yeah i'm working is, on yeah. that right now and this mm-hmm. is the one that is like from the that the last one was like 
it was it 13, 14 years ago? Like this is the same swarm? 17 years. Every 17 years. They're called yep. Brood 10. And I called them Brood X because I thought they were named after Generation X for like <laughs> longer than I'll ever admit. I like Brood X. Yeah, I, I like know. that. <laughs> but it's Brood 10. And uh, and yeah, they come out every third. Uh, some species are 13, some are 17. But um, yeah. but yeah, so they're coming out. They're, uh, they're just waiting. They're about to pop right out of the ground. And they've been sucking on sap of plant mm-hmm. roots for 17 years. They're ready to go. They're going to bust out. They're going to get absolutely orgy time in the trees. Man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was, was, a, I was I in was... Palms. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was in Palm Springs at the beginning of this year, and it seemed like th- it was just crawling with them at that point. So I can't even imagine what more Please. than that is. I, I was in Chicago um, in 2007 when they had their last big, like that was not the last big, but it was one of the big, one of the big brood ones. And I was, it's a longer story. I was in the middle of a very bad breakup, but I was sitting on the plane <laughs> crying and I was sitting there looking out the window. And I start seeing things fly past the window. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then I look on the tarmac and it's just covered <sighs> in dead cicadas. And oh if anything will stop you God. from just sobbing hysterically, it's realizing that you're watching basically a biblical plague just flying into yeah. the side of airplanes and then dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful, so beautiful, oh. yeah, bug lovers. It's time. This yes. <laughs> this year is going to be a big one. We've never had this particular emergence and as many social media sites. So, yes. I mean, wow. You, oh, it's going to be Twitter is going to be all about the cicada content. Yes. I mean, it, thank God Amanda's in my timeline yeah. because that will be true. Oh, and it's going to Biba too. Aaron Biba will be all over right, that. Yes. You're right. The, pe- pe- my friends will make sure the science finds me. Yes. If anyone is listening to this and you do live where uh, where Brood 10 is emerging, download an app called Cicada Safari and you can take a picture <laughs> and let scientists know where you saw them and their the data points that we could inundate them with will <clears throat> delight them for generations. So the scientists yeah. will deploy to your area immediately. Yeah. They'll be airlifted and, and dropped into the action. Yes, yeah, so that's Cicada Safari app. And yeah, so that's so that's what I'm working on. Just nerding out. Uh nerding out <laughs> at home. That's been my last twelve months. I'm happy with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well thank you for taking a piece of that time to spend with us. We really do appreciate of it. Of course. Uh, keep doing the good work. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very Bye. much. And you have a great rest of your night. You do. Bye. 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 All right. So, okay. Now that now that the swarm is behind us, pretty exciting news. We are we've decided to initiate a a month of Kongzilla. Kongzilla in March. honor. Kongzilla March in honor of um. Kong versus Godzilla coming Godzilla, up. Godzilla are, versus Kong. You inverted it. Godzilla versus Kong coming up. Yeah, We've yeah. Got, we're dedicating the month to the uh, Monsters universe. Yeah. And Amanda, what's first on deck for that? All right. So first on deck, we've got our first repeat guest. Really yeah. excited about this one. So we will be joined by Van Lathan um, of the uh, Higher Learning Podcast, among other things, The Ringer. Um and he will be joining us to kick it off with yet another Roland Emmerich classic, 1997's, 1998's Godzilla. I'm glad we're, we're going back to that one. I, it's been an age since I've seen that, so I'm glad to be revisiting. Yes, yeah, so we'll and be revisiting Van, that. How exciting. Van, Van of Van of the Hold My Beer, I'm Roland Emmerich, we've decided <laughs> he'll be venturing back to, to that with us. So that'll be really fun. Um, and Excellent. that is available for rent on most services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll be watching the Godzilla that no one wants to own as their own. 
The exactly. Godzilla, every Godzilla franchise has disowned. So that's exciting. <laughs> Can't wait to do that. So that'll be next week. Jordan, in the meantime, mm-hmm. where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Cruciola. And then you can pop over to the Ots Tyrion podcast and listen to me and Sam talk about some horror movies and the pop culture, paparazzi culture of the new millennium. Great. And Jason, where can we find you? You can find me online at Jason Halftones on Twitter and Instagram. And that's, uh, you know, comics and design work and whatever. I don't know. My brain's so freaking tired. Uh, you can go to thatmightbecool.com for other <laughs> great podcasts. All right. And then I am Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Doobies. And you can find me there on Twitter and uh, doing t- doing Twitter things. Um, and then, of course, the podcast is disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please take a second to rate and review us. It is super helpful to us to get those ratings and reviews and also makes us feel real good. Just oh, real yeah. good inside. So Love it. Help our egos, help our self-esteem, and rate and review us. We are such desperate people. We need attention. We need constant (laughs) adoration. That's true. Uh, Jason, you're being sarcastic, but it's real for me. (laughs) I mean, look, we're a year into pandemic time. I see two faces, and uh, I think that at this point, everyone in the world is a little desperate for some affirmation. (laughs) Oh, by the way, one of those two faces is a dog, so, you know. Yeah. But that's a perfect face, <laughs> is, in yeah, fairness. It's, it's a very perfect face and a beautiful neck. <laughs> well, we will, we will all be very affirmed in the month of Kongzilla, so I'm looking forward to that. So excited for Kongzilla Month. Yeah. If, if we happen to have a listener who works at HBO Max, we're still willing to uh, get sponsored by you guys if you want. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, and we'll see you all back next week for Godzilla. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>